Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number 14. And I have four spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from February the 19th, 2021. And story number one comes from Mary. I don't believe you've ever done an episode about automatic writing. As a mental health professional and someone into the paranormal, I personally find the subject fascinating. I remembered a short but strange story from my childhood that I often wonder about. We had a lovely neighbour, Charlotte, who had once been an opera singer but was retired and was often bedridden with a heart condition related to childhood rheumatic fever. I often visited her as a child and we would take tea together. I heard her husband and my parents speaking one day about the letters Charlotte received from her deceased mother. Apparently Charlotte would have a warm feeling come over her and if she had a pen in her hand she would begin writing in her mother's handwriting a letter from her mother describing how beautiful heaven was with wonderful flowers and wonderful books to read. As an avid reader I really loved that part. I also remember feeling frightened about the story especially the idea of losing control of one's hand. My parents told me it was psychological and a way for Charlotte to deal with her grief over losing her mother. Charlotte died when I was 14. I think she was in her early 50s, so very young. She was so well loved by her friends and her community that they had a party to honour her while she was alive, knowing she had fragile health. She walked into the party, smiled with pure joy, put her hand on her heart and dropped dead right there. I always thought it was a great way to go, surrounded by those who loved you the most. Admittedly terribly traumatic for loved ones. Anyway... I'm sure she is in heaven reading the classics with her mother. I actually know very little about automatic writing. I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe automatic writing is when you are guided to write something by a spirit that takes control of the pen or takes control of your hand and you write the message that that spirit wants to give. Now, W.B. Yeats's wife was famously an automatic writer and one of the Fox sisters who were said to be the founders of the spiritualist church, one of those ladies did automatic writing as well but I actually know very little about it aside from that and I think it's really it's a really interesting thing to explore so I probably will at some point put it down as a main episode to do some looking into it and researching it and trying to figure out what it's all about and in this case maybe you're right maybe it was a way for her to deal with the grief of losing her mother so she was stuck in bed a lot of the time which gives people a lot of time to ruminate and to have really dark thoughts and if you're not kept busy that must be very difficult so maybe automatic writing was her way of dealing with that or maybe it was her mother's way of contacting her who knows 
What I do think was interesting was how you mentioned how terrified you were about not being able to control your hand. And I remember distinctly being quite young and reading a story about a disease where you lose control of one of your limbs or one of your limbs acts independently, seemingly independently of your body. And it terrified me completely. So totally feel you on that one. And story number two comes from Alison. It's kind of hard to figure out where to start. And these are a mishmash of things that happened to me growing up. The house I grew up in was a cosy yet ramshackle farmhouse, sitting on a big piece of property on a hill in the middle of a swamp on a two-track dead-end road. The definition of the middle of nowhere. The kind of place where you know you have neighbours but can't see their houses through the dense woods. Growing up we had squirrels and bats living in the ceilings and walls and branches scratching against the windows, so little sounds like that never fazed me that much. The occasional thump, bump and scurry was just part of life. My bedroom was on the first floor looking out over our stairs and fireplace. My brother was kind of down the hall and around the corner with my parents upstairs. The first paranormal thing I remember was walking into our living room at four or so and seeing my brother and a boy in 1920s era clothes, stacking our couch cushions up the wall end to end. As a kid, I didn't think much of it, other than I didn't know the boy. My brother is four years older than me, but was very sickly and small as a child, so not much bigger than I was at that point. I said something to my mom, and she didn't freak out, but definitely went in to check what I was talking about. To this day, she remembers this, because when she went into our living room, the cushions were stacked to the ceiling, so at least six foot in the air and way above my brother's reach, and my dad was at work as it was the middle of the day. Starting at six or so, I began having issues with sleep paralysis and hypnagogic hallucinations, hallucinating weird rolling balls of spider webs in pulsing rainbow colours coming towards my face right before I fell asleep. I didn't even know these things were weird until I was much older. I was also a sleepwalker and evidently would wander into the hall under the stairs regularly going on about Tupperware and spider webs, according to my mom. By the time I was eight-ish, this was all just normal life to me. But weird things did happen beyond this. The worst was I remember laying in bed and a dark hooded figure with glowing eyes staring back at me from my open door, being lit from behind by the fireplace. I stared at it and tried to blink and do all of my usual tactics to snap out of a hallucination or paralysis. It was neither of these. I stared at it for maybe a minute, with neither of us moving, and then I did the go-to hide under the blankets until I fell asleep. The next morning I got up and my favourite toy was sitting right where the hooded figure stood, even though I knew it had been put away the day before. I don't know why a nerfle and a hooded figure would be connected at all, but I'm just stating what happened. Around 12, I started having more issues with sleeping and feeling like there was something in my room. I never saw anything though, just that creepy feeling. The weirdest part was I would wake up with scars. Not scratches or cuts, but just what looked like gouges out of the skin on my feet about a centimetre long, that were completely healed, but hadn't been there before. This happened two or three times. My mom stayed calm and I forget what she said it was, but told me not to worry. What I didn't think about at the time was that she started sleeping on the couch after this right outside my room, 
and also being a mom, she started having me sleep in gloves, just in case I was scratching myself somehow while I slept. That wasn't the case. When I was older, she told me my brother had the same thing, but when he was younger and would wake up screaming, telling my mom a little man with big eyes was watching him sleep. It was the perfect description of a grey alien. I come from a family of sceptics though, so my mom always tried her best to ignore it or explain it away as nightmares until it started happening to me too and she swore she saw something herself. When I was a bit older I had strange dreams about my brother being in car accidents and seeing as to this day him and I were very close it was super distressing to me and I would tell my mom. When he was in his late teens my brother flipped a car over and then less than two weeks later crashed into a tree totaling our both cars and my mom would bring up the dreams. Luckily my brother was overall fine after both of these beyond bumps, bruises and a broken femur. After his accidents I stopped having the dreams though. After I moved out of the house at around 21 I stopped having the weird experiences but still had my paralysis and hallucinations. No ghosts or creepy little figures for me after that, luckily. I'm now 37 and live with my fiancé in our own house. A few months ago I was playing a dumb game on my phone as I went to sleep and was startled fully awake to a face right in mine screaming at me. I about shit myself because this had never happened before. I got up and threw the lights on expecting to see my fiancé. It didn't look like him at all but it's all I could think of with my half-awake brain. He's a rather adorable, baby-faced, bald, black man, and this was what appeared to be a middle-aged white woman with dark, curly, short hair. He wasn't even in the room with me, so I went out into the house. That's when I found him, locked out of our sunroom, standing on the deck. You can't lock that door from the outside. And the lock on the inside, which is a little lever, is very stiff so it can't just fall into place. I let him in and we just went to bed after that. The weird thing is, a couple of weeks later, the same thing happened to my sister-in-law. My brother and his family were camping in our backyard and she somehow got locked out, even though nobody locked the door. After waiting for 20 minutes or so, trying to call my cell phone to let her in to go to the bathroom, she tried the door again and it was unlocked. That was this summer and luckily nothing else odd has happened. Is it a prerequisite of being a ghost that you just need to be generally annoying? Locking the door, locking people out, locking people out when they're outside. It's just really annoying. And then going, ah, no, you're fine. I'm only only messing with you. I'll open the door. And then opening the door and letting them in. You must get lessons when you die on how to be an annoying ghost. How to wind people up. How to do those little inconveniences that are just going to make someone's life that little bit more difficult. That is, that must be a fact. If anybody from the other side can verify that, or deny it, please don't come and tell me because I'm going to make these assumptions, but I don't actually want to know the truth from you. Thank you very much. I do wonder as well, listening to this story, what did your mom think at the time? I guess with one kid seeing things, etc., etc., and you'd say, okay, they're having bad nightmares, and then your next child is seeing the same things, coupled with him and the little boy stacking up the, the cushions up to six foot high. Like all of those things, if I was a mother, would make me maybe scratch my head a little bit and she obviously thought something was going on if she took to sleeping outside of the bedroom door so I'd love to know I'd love to go back in time and be able to say to her what do you actually think is going on here what is happening 
And so many people in general write in who experience sleep paralysis and hypnagogic hallucinations. And holy moly, like I, every time I touch wood that I do not suffer from sleep paralysis or hypnagogic hallucinations because it just sounds horrific. And I know at some point you recognise that's what it is and you realise even in your subconscious brain that that's what's happening. But it must just be so frightening, just so scary. And I know we've had stories where people have like, you know, they've they've had sleep paralysis, but they've seen things like a wheel of cheese rolling around the ceiling, like funny things. But still at the time, it must be really scary. And I always feel really lucky that I don't experience any of that. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And story number three comes from Victoria. I currently live in a 100-year-old Victorian home here in the Midlands of the UK. While loving all things spooky, but still secretly terrified of seeing anything, I'm happy to report that my current home appears to be spectre-free and that I don't have any strange feelings and, more importantly, my dog doesn't randomly stare or growl at any uninhabited corners of our home for no apparent reason. I trust her judgement beyond mine in these things and highly recommend always having a dog or at least some kind of animal that can make noise. Sorry, fish, but to me you're just the house decor that can swim and breathe. If you have an animal that can make noise in your house, they are truly the best and cutest form of security. This faith in animals' ability to sense things stems from my one unexplainable experience back in my hometown of Miami, which is a wonderfully warm and colourful city, but it definitely has its fair share of weirdness and is worth looking up. One morning I was at my parents' house and attempting to print out a report that I had to turn in that day for one of my university classes. Unfortunately, their printer was acting up and I had spectacularly procrastinated and left myself with very little time to get this printed off before I had to show up to the class in which I had the deadline. Starting to fill up with the anxiety over the developing situation, I called the daughter of our next-door neighbour to ask to use their computer and printer. They had always been close family friends and I'd spent a lot of time at their house over the years just hanging out with their two daughters since they were close to my age and I had also tutored the younger daughter the entire time I was in high school. Therefore, it was perfectly normal that she said it was fine for me to come over and print my paper even though the only person at home was their cleaning lady. She said she would call her and let her know that I was going over. The cleaning lady was watering the plants in their front lawn and just waved when I approached and asked that I just go in through the side door since it was already open. Entering through the side door meant I entered the home through the kitchen, 
which then led straight into an open space where their family dog, a small chihuahua named Tuxedo, or Tux for short, was laying in his locked cage. Walking straight through that space led you to their home office space, where their computer and printer were located. Once I walked through the kitchen, past the dog, and made my way into the home office area, I went about getting my report printed, all the while trying to ignore the fact that Tux was barking in that yappy, annoying way typical of most small dogs. When the print job was nearing the end, and my anxiety was finally starting to calm down, I started to realise that there was a pattern to Tux's barking. He'd bark once, then there would be a long pause before he barked again. When the printing was all done, I was able to hear that what I took as a pause was actually the sound of somebody saying, Shh! I could clearly see the cage from where I was standing, and I could see Tux sat back on his hind legs, his head tilted up, staring fixedly at absolutely nothing, and barking once in between someone or something shushing him. I knew there was no one else in the house, because none of the family's cars were parked out front, and the only other person that could be making any sort of noise was currently outside with a water hose in her hand. I felt frozen, because my brain just could not compute what it was seeing and hearing, and then the terror sank in as I realised that I had to pass in front of that exact same area where the shushing was coming from to make it back to the door I entered and to the safety of outside. I stood absolutely still for what felt like forever just listening, but was probably maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And then I just grabbed my printed report and sprinted back to the door in the kitchen. I figured whatever was making that shushing noise was less likely to touch or follow me if I ran as fast as I could out of the house. Once I was back in the sunshine, I hurried to my car with just a wave to the cleaning lady and headed off to campus to try and forget whatever had just happened and surround myself in the mundanity of university life. After that day, I made sure I never had a printing emergency or any other reason to go back into that house and still cannot explain whatever that thing was that was shushing that dog. Thinking back, I'm now wondering if that incident has anything to do with those dreams I had next door my parents' house as a child. In them, I would feel like I had just suddenly awakened in my own room in the middle of the night and I was watching my covers slowly being dragged off me while I really couldn't move. It may have been an incident of sleep paralysis, but then I always felt like there was something standing in my doorway and I would wake up saying no over and over again. Thankfully, that only happened maybe once or twice and then never again. My parents still live in that house to this day and my husband and I stay with them whenever we visit Miami, but we stay with my brother's old room which has been converted into the guest room. It's next door to my old bedroom, which has been turned into a gym. Mercifully, nothing has happened on any of our visits, so fingers crossed my spooky incident-free streak continues. I know this doesn't relate to the paranormal part of your story, but I am convinced that printers are sentient beings that are sent from hell to torment humanity because they always seem to fall apart and not work and inexplicably stop working when you really need them. And I know that's not just me and Victoria who have experienced this. Printers are the worst. And my idea of hell would be standing at a printer or a photocopier trying to unjam it over and over again for all eternity. That would be my idea of hell. And I I agree. I think having a little pet around is probably a good idea if you're freaked out by something. And listen to your little pets when they're barking 
maybe actually don't because I know that some dogs are notorious for just barking all the time and cats are notorious for just staring at one particular spot and actively trying to freak you out. But in this instance, whatever it is that was shushing that dog, I don't know, you couldn't see it. The dog could see it. It's pretty weird. It did remind me that in my old workplace, they used to have one of those air fresheners that sprayed at intervals. So there was a corridor where the the staff toilets were and in that corridor there was one of those those spray air fresheners and every so often I would be walking down the corridor just as this air freshener would be going off and every single time it made me jump a mile every single time without fail and every single time it would take me about three seconds to go oh yes it's the air freshener so annoying and story number four comes from Lida for years and years I went back and forth on believing and not believing in ghosts When I did, I was so scared that I made myself not believe in ghosts to make myself feel better. But something recently happened that has made me change my mind forever. When I was 10, my family and I moved to Missouri. A couple of years later, my cousin came to live with us. I was too young to really understand what was going on at the time. But as time passed, I found out that she moved in with us because her ex-husband, that I believe was abusive, had passed away. And I believe that it was in our culture that she couldn't immediately move back in with her parents. They lived just 10 minutes away from us. My cousin moved out after a few months and told my mom about how she had been squished by a spirit. You've actually spoken about this before. The Da Chaw. But I believe the stories differ among families. In my family, we say that it is a spirit or ghost holding you down. My cousin stated that she was sleeping with one leg out from under the blanket and she felt someone pull on her leg. She opened her eyes but she couldn't move. The room was completely black because there were no windows but she could sense the presence of something in the corner of the room. She couldn't talk. She just struggled and tried to get out of the sleep paralysis. She eventually did and I'm not sure but I believe it happened more than once. Months later my brother was sleeping in his room during the day before going to work. My father was also asleep in his bedroom at the other end of the house. Suddenly, my brother felt as though someone was squishing him into his bed. He opened his eyes to see something dark in the corner of his bedroom. Scared, he tried to fight against whatever was holding him down. He screamed for my father to help him, to shake him, to scare away the being, but my father didn't hear him. My brother never took his eyes off the dark being until he was finally able to free himself. I'm not sure when this next part happened, but my sister stated that she had been sleeping in her bedroom when it was getting too hot, so she got up and went to sleep on the couch in the living room. She was awoken when she felt a presence in the room. It was a girl that was about my height at the time, so she thought it was me. She asked the girl what she was doing, but the girl said nothing. It was dark, so my sister couldn't see the exact features of the girl. All she could tell was that the girl was beginning to walk towards her, and then sat right on her belly. What are you doing? Get off! My sister yelled, but the little girl didn't move an inch. Feeling her entire body becoming paralysed, she began to panic and realised what was happening. This wasn't a little girl at all. It was a spirit. My sister struggled and struggled until the spirit got up and walked away. Sometime later, late at night while we were all asleep, my mother heard a knock on their bedroom door which was at the end of the hallway. Thinking that it was me because I often woke her up due to nightmares or headaches, she told me to come in. She paused and waited for the door to open and for me to walk in the room. 
but when she heard another knock, she frowned. Come in, she said again. That woke my father up. Again there was a knock at the door, but this time the doorknob began to rattle. My mother looked at my father and asked him if he had locked the door. My father said he hadn't. Come in, it's not locked, my mother said. But again the knocks continued as well as the rattle of the doorknob. My parents were beginning to get scared. My mother looked at my father and told him to go see who it was, but my father said he was too tired. Sighing, my mother got up from bed and carefully walked over to the bedroom door and opened it. Right when she did, a strong gust of wind brushed through her and into the bedroom. She grew more frightened when she saw no one at the door or even in the hallway, walking back to their bedrooms. My mother went to check on me and my siblings to make sure that one of us hadn't woken up to knock on their door, even though she was already sceptical that it was any of us. First, she checked on my sister, but she was sound asleep. Then me, and then my brother. We were all deep asleep. There were no signs that any of us had just been awake. Trying to ignore what just happened, my mother walked back to her bedroom and closed the door. Who was it? my father asked. No one. They're all asleep. My mother got back into bed and right when she pulled the covers up to her chin, another strong gust of air brushed onto my parents, pushing them into their bed. Their eyes widened in fear, but neither of them wanted to admit how scared they were. And so my father blamed it on the open window in their master bathroom. But that next morning when my mother went to brush her teeth, she noticed the window was closed. The story of my cousin and siblings didn't scare me as much, but my parents' story did. But again, I tried not to be scared. My mother didn't tell her story until years after it had happened. She noted how there weren't any other strange encounters that had happened since that night. And so she believed that what had haunted my parents, my cousin and my brother was my cousin's ex-husband's spirit and that he was searching the entire house for her after she left. But that still didn't explain what happened to my sister. Nearly ten years later, nothing else happened until last month. My bathroom, which is also the main bathroom in the house, was getting remodelled. We had to remove the door to be able to work on the floor of the bathroom, but I needed privacy while taking a shower, so I pinned a long black cloth to block the doorway. The cloth wasn't long enough, stopping around 15 inches above the floor. One day, after coming home from work with my mother at our family grocery store, I went to take a shower. My father had gotten home about 30 minutes before us. He was always exhausted after coming home from work, so he would take a shower and go straight to bed. The door had just recently been taken off, so I was very cautious when using the bathroom. My eyes always went to the open space between the cloth and the floor to make sure no one would come in by accident. I had just finished taking a shower and put my glasses on before wiping my body dry. As I began to dry myself, my eyes naturally went to the open space. I knew that my mother and father were in their bedroom together, so I just had to be worried if I heard their door open and one of them walk out. But still, I kept my eyes on that open space. Eventually, I heard my parents' bedroom door open and I heard someone walking down the hallway. They had to pass the bathroom before getting to the rest of the house. I stopped drying myself and covered my body with the towel in case one of my parents walked in to wash their clothes. I stood still as I watched the opening. I saw my mother's legs walk past the bathroom from left to right. She was wearing long grey sweats that honestly looked like my father's underwear. 
I thought it was strange that she was wearing that and wondered when she had gotten such a small pair because my father was twice her size. But no more than five seconds later, I saw another pair of legs walk past the bedroom from left to right. This was actually my mother. I knew it was her because she was wearing her nightgown. I began to grow scared. There was no way that the first pair of legs that walked by were my father's because his legs simply weren't that thin. And so I waited. I stood still for a minute longer, expecting my father to walk by and back into their bedroom, but he never did. To make sure, I never took my eyes off the opening as I finished drying myself and got dressed. When I was done, I walked towards the kitchen, with my back towards my parents' room and asked my mother, who was now in the kitchen, Is Dad outside? She was confused as to why I was asking and told me that he wasn't outside, he was in bed. I shook my head. I swear I saw him and you walk past the bathroom. I saw two people, Mom. My mother began to get scared and told me that he was definitely in bed and that she didn't know what I was talking about. He was literally right in front of you, Mom. He was no less than five feet in front of you. You should have seen him. Or someone. Or something. My mother said she didn't know and it was clear that she didn't want me to continue the conversation. Deciding to check for myself, I turned around and rushed to my parents' bedroom and opened the door, only to see my father in bed watching YouTube. I asked him if he had come to the kitchen and back to the bedroom. He said he hadn't. I asked him was there anyone else here and he said there wasn't. And then I told him what I saw. I tried to argue with my parents but they wouldn't listen. I swear they were maybe even more frightened than I was and didn't want to believe my words. They wanted to believe that I had just thought I saw something. But I swear that I did see it. There have been several times in my life when I thought I saw something, a ghost or a spirit, but deep down I knew I didn't and that my mind had just made it up because I either really wanted to see something or I was just too scared. But this time I knew it. I knew that I saw someone or something walking past the bathroom door and now I believe that there are ghosts. And to be able to cope with that, I used the excuse that if my three-year-old Pomeranian Chihuahua mix isn't barking aggressively at nothing, then I am safe, and whatever is in the house doesn't want to hurt me and my family. Stories of the Dach show really freak me out. I mean, I'm pretty sure I referred to it as the Dach so in, in the entirety of the episode that we did about it, but when a sleep paralysis demon prompts the CDC to do a full-scale investigation, you know that things are pretty damn serious. I guess your parents had such an awful experience with the door, the doorknob rattling and then the gusts of wind that they felt like ripping through their bedroom. And then you're saying, no, I saw you go into the kitchen and I saw somebody else going in as well, a little skinny pair of legs. Who owned those skinny pair of legs? What body were they attached to? That is very scary. Like for real, very scary. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Mary, Alison, Victoria and Lida for sending in your stories. The last story came from February the 19th, 2021. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. <laughs>